This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, representing Transitions Life Care. Mary, how are you doing today? Not bad. I, I came down with the one of, you know, the crud that's going around. Is it COVID? Is it allergies? Is it flu? Is it who knows? Uh, strep? I, I feel like everyone, maybe we should do a show on that. What are the differences between them all? I don't know. <laughs> that is the official scientific <laughs> term, though, the crud. That yes, is, the crud. That is, yeah, I've read that in some sort of medical journal somewhere. Okay, good. So I, I just want to <laughs> let you know that you're using the proper term Good. there. Well, let's dive into the show. We've got a lot to get to today, and we're very excited. We uh, want to start out the show talking about some exciting news when it comes to uh, a development with the treatment of Alzheimer's disease, and we're very pleased to welcome on to the show Heather Hooper. Heather is the Executive Director of Dementia Alliance of North Carolina. Heather, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you guys for having me. It's an honor to be with you again. I am so excited to talk about this. As some people, uh, some of the listeners know, my, my grandmother had Alzheimer's, and it's a, a caregiving journey we had for quite some time. Um, and I was really excited to see the FDA recently approved Laquimbi, and um, I could be butchering that term uh, or the name of this drug, but it's spelled for those who want to look it up, L-E-Q-E-M-B-I, Laquimbi. Um, but they recently approved it under the accelerated approval pathway, which is a huge milestone in decades of research uh, in Alzheimer's disease. And for people eligible for this treatment and their families and for the research community, it's so exciting. So talk to us a little bit. What uh, is Laquimbi targeted for? Who is it targeted for? And at what stage of dementia? Absolutely. Well, it is very exciting. I think this is the second drug in like 20 years, and we are all just so hopeful. Um, it, and hopefully it's just the first of many. Um, but, you know, it's it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to, you know, tell everybody that this drug should be initiated in patients with mild cognitive impairment or mild stages of dementia due to Alzheimer's disease. And that's what it was tested in. And so they have found that this early stage is the most effective in slowing the rate of decline. That's really important to think about. So this is not for someone who's later in the stages of disease and maybe is in like a memory care unit at that point or, or you know, yeah. further along in, in, um, in Alzheimer's. Exactly. So there's not been any safety or effectiveness data on initiating the treatment at the earlier or later stages of the disease. So someone who knows they carry the gene, it's not proven to be effective. And for that person that's later in the stages, it's not proven, you know, there's not data yet Mm -hmm. on that initiating it later would prove any clinical benefit. It's good to know. So how does someone qualify for this treatment and and using this uh, drug? Yeah, absolutely. So to qualify for the treatment, people need to undergo tests to show that their brain contains the amyloid deposits that are a hallmark of Alzheimer's disease. And they need to show that they're either in that mild stage or in mild cognitive impairment, which isn't technically dementia yet, Mm -hmm. um, but that they are in that stage. And that typically that those tests 
include a lumbar puncture. So ooh, that's a little mm. bit, you know, invasive. And um, they are looking for other ways to kind of prove that that amyloid exists. But um, just know that this could be a visit to a specialist. Mm -hmm. This could be a little bit more um, involved than just going and, you know, getting a vaccine or a shot. I think that's important for everyone to know that's thinking about this. It's it's a process. This is not go yeah. to your primary care and ask for this drug and get it from the pharmacy. This is definitely a more involved thing at this early stage of the FDA approval. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, but on the, on the flip side, um, this Laquimbia is designed to clear that amyloid plaque from the brain. And what this study showed in the recent data that came out is that it slowed the rate of cognitive decline. Now, I say slow the rate. It does not mean that it improved symptoms. Um, but in a study of around 1,800 people with early Alzheimer's, those that got Laquimbi for 18 months experienced 27% less decline in memory and thinking. And, you know, even that modest decline, that modest slowing, um, can really mean a lot for their parents or for their the patients that are getting the disease. It's more independence. It's maybe, you know, being able to attend family functions longer. So it's, you know, even six months to a year can be meaningful for, for these patients. That's that's huge. And I, I, I feel that as a caregiver, as someone who had Alzheimer's, you know, being able to have them around a little bit longer at family functions and, um, you know, keeping them a little more aware and cognitively um, is so important and um, to, to many of our caregivers. Uh, Absolutely. So now that this drug is in the accelerated approval pathway, does it mean that patients can access this drug now if they start meeting with a specialist and, and getting the uh, testing done that they need um, to be approved? Can you go ahead and access this drug now if you go through those steps? Well, that's a complicated question, Mary. <laughs> um, yes, but uh, so technically um, physicians can prescribe this drug. Um, however, so I'm going to take you back to 2021. Um, yes, they can. They, it's approved under the accelerated approval. And that was based on phase two data, which said it removed the amyloid plaque from the brain. And that's the hallmark of Alzheimer's disease is the amyloid plaque. Um, recently, phase three data came out, which showed the slowing the rate of cognitive decline. So that's really positive data. So they actually have submitted for full-blown approval already. Um, and But right now, under the accelerated approval pathway, technically, it can be prescribed. Um, so you say, yeah, it can be prescribed, but what about coverage? Is it going to be covered by insurances, Medicaid, and Medicare? And that's where it gets sticky. Um, so back in 2021, we had another drug that was approved, and it was approved on this accelerated pathway, and it was under the same class of drugs as Laquimbia. Um, but it did not... It, it did not show as much of that improving the slow, slowing the rate of cognitive decline. Mm -hmm. So CMS said that they would only cover payment um, for patients enrolled in clinical trials. And instead of just saying it for that drug, it said it this whole class of drugs 
that it would not cover unless it was on clinical trial. Um, and so we have some work to do as a patient advocacy community to hopefully um, go after and petition CMS to cover this drug based on the data that it's shown. Um, so right now, CMS, Medicaid, Medicare, private insurances are not going to be covering it. So if the person can pay out of pocket, um, then yes, they can access the drug right now. Um, and so we're hopeful that CMS will maybe reverse this decision, but um, you know, it's, it's a long road ahead of us right now. Mm. And I can imagine that this drug does not come at a, um, a small cost uh, uh, with the, the impact that it has um, and the great deal of impact that it has on the caregiver and the patients. That's right. So the, currently the cost um, for the drug itself is $26,500 a year. On top of that, um, you know, you have to do the testing to the lumbar puncture. And then as a protocol with this, there are MRIs throughout the course of mm -hmm. treatment um, that are a part of that. And then, you know, you're looking at infusion centers and that kind of thing to, to get the drug. It's an infusion. Um, and so the, the cost is going to be up there. Um, mm -hmm. However, you know, CMS routinely covers cancer costs. Mm -hmm. cancer drugs that are well over $100,000 for the treatment. So, you know, we're, we're hopeful. Um, but again, the, the drug company as well as patient advocacy groups will be working over the next few months um, to hopefully get this covered. This is fascinating. We're speaking with Heather Hooper, who is the executive director of Dementia Alliance of North Carolina. We're talking about a new tool that we're going to have in the tool belt when it comes to treating Alzheimer's. And this is just some welcome news. And we've got more that we want to talk to Heather about right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas on the line. We are so pleased to have back on the show Heather Hooper, who is the Executive Director of Dementia Alliance of North Carolina. And uh, in just a short bit, we're going to be talking about an, an exciting conference that's happening. But uh, right now, we're talking about a, a new Alzheimer's drug that uh, is in the process of being approved by the FDA that could be uh, a big help when it comes to Alzheimer's. And Mary, I, I know there's a few more bows that we want to tie on this conversation before we start talking about the conference. Absolutely. Heather, you mentioned uh, just prior to us going to break that there we have some work to do as a community to get Laquimbi covered and mm -hmm. uh, uh, as a covered drug and paid for. Uh, what do you recommend for those who want to advocate uh, to have that happen? Yeah, I mean, certainly we'll be putting out some information as it becomes appropriate and, and ways to advocate. Um, are, you know, there's oftentimes CMS will open up for comment periods. And mm -hmm. so those are really important. Um, we also work with Us Against Alzheimer's 
as um, they're a really great, trusted, you know, national organization. And so I'd say following them as they put out um, more information there as well. That's wonderful. And for those who are seeking more information about Laquimbi and how to access this drug, mm-hmm. what do you suggest as next steps uh, to, to those listeners? So if you or your loved one is in the early stages of MCI due to Alzheimer's, so MCI can be, you know, early stage of any type of dementia, but MCI or the mild form of Alzheimer's and you know that it has, that it's Alzheimer's and not another non-Alzheimer's disease um, type of dementia, then have a conversation with your doctor. Um, Make sure you are informed and ready so that you know if private pay is an option right now maybe that's a conversation that you can have earlier rather than later if not um, at least you have the information in front of you to know that you know potentially this could be an option in the next year or so Um, and so definitely have that conversation with your neurologist or whoever is managing your care um, and see if you are a good candidate for the drug. That's so helpful. So I want to mm-hmm. switch gears a little bit here. We have an exciting uh, <laughs> caregiver conference coming up, which I think um, ties in really well with what we were talking about. Tell us a little bit about the Raleigh Caregivers Conference that you have coming up. When is it? Uh, and how can people sign up for this? Yes. Yeah, so on Thursday, February 2nd, we are having Keepa Snow join us at um, the Raleigh Caregiver Conference. This will be at Northridge Country Club. Uh, it starts about 9.30, we'll adjourn around three, but it is TIPA literally all day. And if you've ever spoken, followed, seen TIPA in person, she's so dynamic. Um, and what the really the conference is, whether you're a new caregiver or someone has been doing it for years, um, focusing on what the person can do and how we respond to them in everyday situations can create better communication, better interactions, and better helping the caregiver. So Tipa is going to really focus on her positive approach to care and, you know, kind of looking at ourselves as caregivers and saying, what can we do to change um, the way that we're caregiving and framing it in a more positive approach? And so she is just so such a wonderful dynamic speaker. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about this conference. And again, it's February 2nd um, in Raleigh the, at Northridge Country Club. That's awesome. Do, is there any way for people who may not be able to attend in person uh, to view the content, attend the conference, or do anything virtually? There is not a virtual option for this conference. We're going old school. We're going I back love it. <laughs> only in person. Um, however, I would invite anybody who is needing some content, reach out to us. We have a wonderful YouTube channel that's just full of virtual content um, that is excellent. And then you can also follow Tipa Snow. Um, and she's always putting stuff out there on TikTok and all that kind of stuff. Well, but, definitely. Uh, to register, just go to our website and it's right there on the main page. And it is the Raleigh Caregiver Conference. And our website is dementianc.org. That's awesome. I think that it brings up a great point, you know, being able to network with other caregivers and have the opportunity to meet with 
organizations and community resource groups and um, others that are going through similar things that you are going through as a caregiver is something that's really important. And sometimes virtually, it makes it really difficult to, to be able to make those connections and, um, and be able to talk with others about similar things that they're going through. Absolutely right. And we'll have lots of exhibitors there and resources um, for families to be able to plug into. So just, I'm so excited to have us back in person. Mm -hmm. Heather, before we uh, wrap up and go to a break here, can you tell us just a little bit about Dementia Alliance of North Carolina and how you guys help us out? I would be happy to. Uh, Dementia Alliance of North Carolina's mission is to improve the lives of those living with dementia. And we have many programs that help us do that. You know, we're really focused on the caregivers, those that are going through this disease right now. Um, so we have dementia navigators who work with families one-on-one to plug them into local resources. Our organization is focused right here in North Carolina. And so we have that local focus um, within our dementia navigation team. We also put on great conferences like the TIPA conference or the Raleigh Caregiver Conference. And um, we do those types of workshops and, and conferences throughout the state. We also have a wonderful music and memory program. If music is a big part of your life, I would invite you to check that out. Um, and we also train support group facilitators, host support groups, and, and that sort of thing. So really trying to improve the lives of those living with dementia right here in our state. Um, and so, you know, just honored to be here today with you on the show. Wonderful. And if folks want to get a hold of you, what is the best way? And also, if they want to check out the conference, what's the best way to find that as well? Uh, the best way to start is our website. Again, that's DementiaNC.org. DementiaNC.org. D-E-M-E-N-T-I-A-N-C.org. And the contact information is, is all there. So I would, you know, or call our office. Wonderful. DementiaNC.org is where you can go for more information. She is Heather Hooper, the Executive Director of Dementia Alliance of North Carolina. Heather, thank you again so much for your time and for sharing uh, some expertise on this very, very impressive and exciting news related to this drug. Thank you so much, Heather. Thank you. We are going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, we are now going to turn our focus to placement services. This can be so confusing when mm -hmm. 
We need uh, various levels of care. Often we're just kind of thrust into this. This isn't something that, you know, we spend time looking at in our off time. You know, no one's just kind of curious. Well, what's the difference between independent living and assisted living and uh, nursing care and things like that? So we're going to help uh, guide you through that uh those waters that are so often difficult to navigate. And we are very pleased to have on the show, Colleen Jones. Colleen is a senior living specialist with All About Seniors and C. Colleen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for asking me to be on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. I think this is a really important topic and something that is just coming up over and over and over again in our community and with talking with families. It's something that's really challenging to understand. It's something that we went through as a family when when working through as a caregiver, working with my grandfather to find placement. So Colleen, just let's start at the very basics. What are the differences between an independent living facility and assisted living facility? And for those who don't know, sometimes you see them listed as an ILF and an ALF, independent living facility and assisted living facility. So talk to us about the differences of these different facilities. Uh, independent living communities primarily focus on providing social activities to individuals. Um, typically, it's uh, 62 plus, so you must be at least 62 years old to live in these uh, communities. They're apartment-style living, and many people that live there are able to live independently without much support. Um, assisted living communities support those that need assistance with activities of daily living, such as bathing, dressing, meal prep, medication management. Um, some other big differences between independent living and assisted living is the cost. The cost is going to be much higher in assisted living because you're going to have uh, caregivers supporting the needs of those uh, folks living there in the assisted living. Um, so there are some, some key differences, but the, the main thing is those that live in independent living really aren't needing uh, around-the-clock care caregivers and they they don't need the extra supportive services that you get in assisted living. And in either of these facilities, can you bring in additional assistance, say a a private duty caregiver, to help stay in place in either independent living or assisted living from going to a skilled facility? Absolutely. Um, Most most communities in in our area here in Wake County uh, support that. So once somebody moves into an independent living, they really want to keep them there as long as they they can, as long as it's safe. So if having in-home care come in and help maybe just manage medication or if someone has gotten to the point where maybe they need assistance with showering once a week, uh, most communities will support having outside agencies come in because it, it is their home. So if they can age in place safely with, with extra care, then then most communities will support that. When you're looking for an assisted living facility, what are some of the key things to consider as a caregiver and as a, someone that's moving into an assisted living facility? Yeah, sure. That, that, those are very important um, things to to you know, think about prior to looking for an assisted living, and, and myself as, as a senior living, um, you know, guidance to families, you, you have to talk about um, your budget. What what can people afford? Most people, you know, don't have a, a great grasp on that if it's their parents, so you really have to dig in and, and know what your, your loved one is, is able to afford on a monthly basis. Assisted living, you're going to pay for the base rate on the apartment, and then also the level of care. So coming into an assisted living community, you're 
your uh, rent might be much different than it is uh, a year or two down the line. So really, cost is something that you must know. Um, location is another key thing to consider. If uh, a family member lives nearby, uh, but the community that best suits their needs is, say, 10 or 15 miles away, is that suitable for, for that individual? Um, something else to consider is going to be services and amenities. Uh, there might be some, some key things that are important for an individual moving into an assisted living, such as a pool or on-site physical therapy and occupational therapy services. Um, it's also important to, to be sure the assisted living is going to be able to meet the clinical needs of the, the loved one moving in there. Um, you don't want to have to move somebody twice, and some assisted living communities can provide heavier care than others. So really just knowing what kind of care they can provide is another key thing to consider. It's very helpful. Some part of this, you know, people are thinking about if someone has dementia, what is the next step of care? You know, they're at home now. They might be confused or leaving the house or wandering. When do you know it's the right time to consider memory care? And what's the difference in these different facilities for memory care? Yeah, if, if your loved one is putting their safety at risk, then they should be in a memory care community or at least have live-in care 24-7. Um, memory loss causes individuals to forget to do important tasks, such as uh, taking medication, um, forgetting how to drive, turning off the stove, or, or even changing their clothes, just to name a few. So once safety becomes a risk factor, um, then that's the right time to start looking into memory care or having around-the-clock care. That's really helpful. Um, yeah, and, and just to touch on, you know, the differences as well um, in between memory care and assisted living, there, there are, they share, you know, many of the same features, you know, including the apartment-style living, the common areas, and the meals, but memory care communities are going to offer more of a specialized form of assisted living to meet the needs of those diagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia. Uh, memory care units always are, are going to be secured. So if somebody is, is wandering or uh, not really knowing their, their surrounding areas, it's, it's going to be a safe place for them to live. Um, these memory care communities also are going to have specialized programming to meet the needs of, of those with Alzheimer's disease or dementia as well. I have a wild card question for you before we close out uh, close out with you here. What about family care homes? You know, this is something that's popping up around our communities more and more. How does that fit into these different facilities? What is the, what does a family care home look like? Yeah, family care homes are, are a wonderful option here in Wake County, and uh, we've got some wonderful relationships with with the majority of them. Um, it, it's just a smaller setting, so it's it's more um, it's more cozy. It's more intimate. Um, it's the homes maybe only have four or five individuals living in them and they'll have caregivers around the clock. So it's, it's more of a home-like setting, uh, small scale, meals are prepped right there. The individuals more, more than likely will have their own rooms. Um, and uh, it, it's just like living at home, but having around the clock care. So it's, that's another great option for, for folks needing assisted living as well. Colleen, if folks want to find more information about All About Seniors NC, what's the best way to do that? Sure, they can go to our website. It's www.allaboutseniorsnc.com. 
Wonderful. All about SeniorsNC.com. If you want to find more information, she is Colleen Jones, Senior Living Specialist with All About Seniors NC. Colleen, thank you so much for your time today and for shedding some light on the differences between these, these placement services. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a great day. You as well. We're taking a short break, but we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with... Mary Lucas, of course, representing Transitions Life Care, and we're going to be talking about communication tips uh, and focusing on being advocating for respite. Mm-hmm. And Mary, this is something that is so, so important, and w- we say this all the time, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's it's also very, very hard for people to do because, you know, anyone who's um, been involved in any part of a caregiving journey knows uh, the stress that is put on the caregiver. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it's it's just so hard to take a step back when you are focused on the person who needs care. Mm-hmm. You need some care as well. And you need respite mm-hmm. in order to be at your best. Respite is rest. And, and you can't you have to be strong yourself to be able to care for others. And, and without that, you'll get run down and it can be very hard on you, but it's such a hard conversation to have. It's, it's something that's not easy. I was talking to my dad about it actually yesterday. Um, I was over at his house and we were talking about my grandfather and, and the importance of taking a break. And um, he's just started a rotation with my aunt and they trade off weekends on on doing the groceries. And I think that that alone has been monumental in, in providing him a little bit of respite. But beyond that, I think I also had a conversation with a friend who's a caregiver and she's really struggling with this as well. And I, so I wanted to talk about it on the show about communication and advocating for yourself. You need a break and that conversation's not always easy for the person that you're taking care of as well. And I think there's a lot of guilt um, and, and people feel guilty taking a break. And, but you have to think inward first and your feelings and what you're feeling and the, and the exhaustion and it is valid. And it is not a selfish thing to do. And I think a lot of people feel um, selfish taking a break when they're taking care of somebody else. And that's, that's a hard feeling to, um, to take on. Um, so there are some tips that I wanted to provide and some, I've done some research on this and talking with my dad and others and wanted to share them with you all as well. Um, but first, prepare your conversation with intention. Uh, why do you want respite? Is it you time? Is it you need to take a rest? Your work is busy as well? Or you may have children. You know, the sandwich generation of caregivers is, is growing pretty rapidly. Um, and, and you may need to go to more soccer games or whatever it may be. Um, do you need to hire extra help? That's something that's really important in a conversation that was um, really valuable for my dad and, and talking to my grandfather about either assisted living or we need to hire a nurse to help out. Um, so there, those are very um, 
uh, tough conversations, but it's good to prepare for those in advance with intention. Uh, Research your options first. Find out what's practical. Uh, If private duty is something that you're taking on, look at cost and, and something Uh, and schedules and things like that. And how will we benefit from you taking a break is an important part of the conversation. We will all benefit from you taking a break and being able to share why. Uh, And pre-planning will really help guide that conversation. And I think it's something that's really important. Um, I know we were just, Jason and I were just talking about even pre-planning for the show. Um, You know, we we talk, it's hard to have conversations sometimes. It's always important to pre-plan. Second, label your feelings. Put your feelings into words. Write them down. Read them. See them. Understand them. I take time to journal every night, and it's something I didn't do before, but writing down my feelings and going back and looking at them uh, has something is something that has really helped me validate how I feel every day, um, and it helps me advocate for myself in, in other situations. So label your feelings. Put them into words. Read them. Go back and read them. If you've had a hard day, go back and read a couple days prior when it was good and and realize that it always isn't that way. So putting out your feelings and seeing them and understanding them will help you advocate for yourself. Then pick a time to talk. Don't do it when everyone is alert and in the height of something or, you know, right before you're doing an important caregiving task. Um, Make sure that everyone is calm and rational. No one's overwhelmed. Um, We're not right, you know, going to bed where everyone's a little bit drowsy. Make sure that everyone's awake. Um, So make sure you pick the right time. Um, You don't want to be hangry. You don't want your loved one to be hangry. I know that's not, I I can't be hangry and have a good conversation. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, So just pick the right time to talk uh, and really think about it and plan it out. And following positive communication is always key. Refer to your feelings that you wrote down, why you're feeling this way. Use I statements to share how you feel instead of you statements that place blame on your loved one. You, 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 you is a hard thing for someone to hear instead of saying, I feel this way, I am tired, and I, I need a break, I need to take a nap, whatever it may be. Um, speak very soothingly. Listen actively, um, and, and listening is a key part of this conversation. And hear the feedback um, that you're getting from your loved one. Take pauses. A lot of the times, if you're dealing with someone that may have a little bit of uh, cognitive decline, it's some, that's something that's very important to take pauses and listen, uh, and really um, get the a- active feedback. Then you want to share positive outcomes. Like I said earlier, what will benefit for this time to yourself? What will benefit the, your loved one for you taking this time? What will they gain? You'll be in a better mood. Or <laughs> I can cook better dinner if you give me a little more time to go grocery shopping. Or you know, there's a, there's a lot of benefits of you taking rest uh, and being more fully available when you are there if you're not as tired or you're not as stressed or you know all of these things kind of combine into one. One. And it's important that you take rest for yourself and take this respite care. And then finally, create a care plan. You know, if it involves, like I said with my grandfather, there was nursing aides that we have. If it's working with an adult day facility, there's some great adult daycares and day facilities around um, that provide care during the day um, and, and activities during the day. You can drop them off and pick them up. Um, there, there are a lot of great options around us in this area. And if you're on hospice, like Leah said, and earlier in the show, 
it's part of the hospice benefit. So you can talk to your social worker and set up the right volunteer for you. If it's you need someone to come into your house and just give you a break while you do grocery shopping, um, you can you can meet with your hospice social worker and discuss all the things that you need, and they'll be able to put someone in place to help you get a little bit of respite. Um, they also have a, a respite stay where you can take your loved one to a facility and have a longer stay respite as well as part of the hospice benefit. It's all provided as part of the benefit. Um, so if you have a vacation that you need to go on and get away for a few days, that's a great option if you're on hospice. Um, also, if you're on palliative care, you can talk to your team there and they can help you find the right fit as well. Um, but respite is so important. And I think that people um, don't realize it until they're, they're too tired and they are too worn down. And it, it is just taking, it is very heavy and you don't want uh, to feel that way and get to that point. So taking them these breaks earlier and being able to have these conversations and communicating and advocating for yourself as a caregiver is so important. And it's not, you should not take on the guilt of this and put those feelings down into words, validate them, advocate for yourself and, and really get the rest you need as a caregiver. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Uh, and it's especially something to focus on early on in a caregiving journey, because I, I think just naturally, uh, one, we, we have a lot of energy at, at that point. And also, you know, when you're speaking with family members and they're asking how you and your loved one on, your natural response is going to be, hey, we're, we're doing okay. You know, we're getting by. We're, we're getting through this. We're still, lear still learning. And you may be kind of conditioning your mind to think, well, you know, we got this. Everything's okay. But well, as you said, uh, you don't want to reach that point where it's you're overwhelmed and it's become too late. Right. To, and then everyone's going to be looking at you like, well, hey, what's what's yeah. going on here? You know, you've been telling us everything's OK. And now, right. now that's not the case. So maybe set those expectations that, hey, you know, I'm OK now, but maybe in a few weeks I, I may need some help. That's a great point. You know, that that kind of happened in our situation. With my grandfather, my grandmother died and we were all all right there. You know, and I think this happens with many others as well. When when someone passes and their spouse is, is still here, everyone surrounds them and everybody was around and everybody was helping. The grandkids were visiting, you know, cousins, family members from out of state. Everyone was there and helping. And, it, and it's also happens at holidays. You see it quite often around holidays when um, caregivers are, there's a lot of people around and Christmas is going on or Hanukkah, whatever it may be. You know, all the, everyone is there. And then it's, it's a couple months later when you start to feel this and not everyone is there anymore um, and it's down to the main caregivers and then that's when these that's when this is so important and um, I, I think that it it can go for a while before you realize how important it is uh, so just think about these things when you and advocate for yourself and have those conversations so you can have respite as well yeah these are wonderful tips and I, I think there's even some application outside <laughs> of uh, advocating for yourself for respite um, this, there's probably a lot of applications for a variety of relationships. Uh, those are wonderful tips. So again, if you missed any part of this segment, you can go online to WPTF.com, click on the podcast button from there, Find Aging Matters, and you can go back and listen to this episode. Maybe you want to share this segment with someone who's in a caregiving situation. So uh, that's a wonderful opportunity for you. WPTF.com, click on the podcast button and find Aging Matters. There. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. 
You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.